Hello, this is Jane. You are listening to the Philotic Ansible, an endless game podcast brought to you by the Philotica.net and endlessansible.com. Thomas Alfred Stickerson from PhiloticWeb.net. Today we'll be talking about the NRC movie, which many of you know will be released on November 1st, 2013, which is less than a year away. That's coming up pretty quick. I'm excited. I can't. <laughs> which we, I think a lot of us are going to be going at midnight. Um, it's going to be Halloween. I'm excited to see everybody in costume, hopefully. Is there uh, any any spoilers you can give us about how, how we could build our costumes from your time on set? I can't say anything. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was invited to the Ender's Game movie set in May of 2012. Um, I can tell you that I went, and I can tell you that it was amazing, and... Um, that's all I can say so far. You can't tell us how to build our costumes yet. No. No, just amazing. Well, do you have any information for us before the movie comes out? Hopefully. I hope so. Um, I don't have a date for that yet, but um, I should. That's a few things that my slate that I can share later. <laughs> Jumping into the news. For those of you who don't know, Digital Domain, the Enderstein's special effects company, filed for bankruptcy in September. Since then, Galaxy Horses and Reliance Media have acquired the Enderstein movie. Although Summit and Lionsgate have repeatedly stated that the bump in the post-production road will not delay the release date of the Enderstein movie. That's good to hear, at least, that it's not going to be delayed. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty quiet these past few months, but I I think they're just hard at work at making it um, the best. That's what I'm hoping for as well. I've heard some dissent uh, and concern from fans, uh, but I think it's really just that we're all pretty excited and on edge and uh, hoping that this goes as smoothly as possible to make the movie we've all been waiting for. Exactly. And there's also been... Um, some interesting news about Viola Davis uh, lately. Yeah, so uh, we should we should probably talk about that. Viola Davis, uh, for those of you uh, who haven't been following this closely, uh, is the actress who will be playing Major Gwen Anderson, and she uh, recently admitted that she had never read Ender's Game. Uh, what she said uh, actually was this. I did not read the book. In Ender's Game, in the book, Major Anderson is actually a male. So I just felt like this is a different character, and I didn't feel like I could learn anything from reading the book. As much as I could learn something from studying the psychology of people who have come back to war and experienced post-traumatic stress disorder, I felt that was much more valuable for me. I think the question going through a lot of our minds is, you know, what, is the, what does this mean for her role? 
uh, if she's not familiar with the source material? Uh, do we think it's okay that she's stuck in, uh, you know, maybe a more general background in war and combat and, you know, stress, um, but not as much about the, you know, maybe content of the character? Um, I think she explains it really well. She points out the fact that she is playing a character of a different gender. And um, I think that she's just really, really taking it to heart and um, trying to make this movie adaption, trying to um, reinvent the character. Um, before I hear any complaining um, in the comments or in emails, I'd like to point out that um, it was actually Orson Scott Card who saw the need for more females in the Anderson movie, and he changed the character of Major Anderson into a female in an earlier version of the movie script years ago. So, I mean, this this part of the news shouldn't really come as a surprise to people who've been following the development process for a while. This, is, this has been something that uh, he's been talking about doing for probably the better part of a decade now. Is that, is that right? Uh, I'm not quite sure on how many years that's been floating around, but definitely um, for more than a few movie scripts. I mean, she says that, in a quote, I could learn something from studying the psychology of people who have come back from war and experienced post-traumatic stress disorder. And I felt that was much more valuable. And it kind of makes me wonder um, if she's going to bask in the role a little bit. Um, what do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if she's talking about that in terms of her own role, if, she, if she's going to be attempting to portray a character who's seen the trauma of war and was maybe, uh, you know, seen some action, uh, or if she uh, is talking about that in terms of her ability to relate to the students at battle school who are going to be going through these really... Uh, stressful times, and particularly in the war games uh, that they conduct in the battle room. Uh, and one thing that I've actually wondered, uh, particularly based on the role, actually, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the description of her role as has been publicized in the media? Uh, sure. When Variety first announced that Viola, Viola Davis had been cast as Major Anderson, um, this is what they said about her character that she would be a military psychologist who oversees the emotional welfare of young trainees. She helps design the games that test their skills and resilience. Yeah, so that makes me think that maybe her studying the, uh, you know, the experiences of soldiers uh, with PTSD uh, is more for her ability to uh, treat the emotional welfare of the trainees uh, but it also makes me wonder, I, th there's another character in the books, is a relatively minor character, uh, Major Imbu, uh, who I've gotten the impression is, you know, it's kind of an ambiguous role, but it, it seems to be a, the role of a psychologist, maybe. Uh, in the book, Major Anderson uh, doesn't really seem to have that role. He, he's a, uh, I think, second in command of battle school and eventually is promoted once uh, Graf moves on. Uh, but he's also primarily in charge of the battle room training and the design of the games. Uh, that was always my understanding of him in the book. 
Uh, on the other hand, uh, there's this quote from Imbu in a dialogue uh, between him and Greff. Uh, it says, the mind game is designed to help shape them, uh, help them find worlds they can be comfortable in. And then later on in the dialogue, he follows that up with, the end of the world in the game isn't necessarily the end of humanity in the bugger wars. It has a private meaning to ender. Uh, and then later on again, uh, says, you've been isolating the boy. Maybe he's wishing for the end of this world, the battle school. Or maybe it's about the end of the world he grew up with as a little boy, his home, coming here. Uh, or maybe it's his way of coping with having broken up so many other kids here. Ender's a sensitive kid, you know, and he's done some pretty bad things to people's bodies. He might be wishing for the end of that world. And to me, that sounds uh, like, the, you know, the role of psychologists. So I'm wondering uh, if if maybe they've combined those roles a little bit. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, it really doesn't surprise me. There is there's going to be a lot of changes. Um, that much is obvious in any book-to-film adaption. And I think that um, if these two characters, Major Imbu and Major Anderson, have been sent into one character, it's going to save time, it's going to save money. They're only going to have to hire um, an actor or actress and I think it'd be uh, a really smart move on behalf of um, the writers and um, the production. I can definitely see that. That's a theory that makes sense to me, uh, particularly because Imbu's role in the book is very limited. Uh, I think maybe only one scene or maybe two scenes as a very uh, significant uh, adult character in the book. I agree, and I think that by combining Major Imbu with Major Anderson, I think um, you're softening up Major Anderson's character. Moving on, we recently heard from Galloping Horses, and they said that the Energy movie will be roughly about 60% special effects. Uh, Thomas, do we like this? Is it too much? Uh, well, I mean, obviously it's important for, you know, uh, a good number of scenes, uh, you know, the battle room is going to incorporate a significant amount of special effects, although we've heard uh, that there also won't be that much time spent in the battle room, or at least they won't be, you know, showing us a whole battles. Uh, but it's probably also going to be real uh, necessary uh, to show the buggers in any kind of realistic fashion. Uh, as far as other places where it might show up, one uh, is almost certainly going to be the simulator and, you know, the handling of the space scenes. I, I just don't see uh, how they would handle those without the use of special effects. Uh, I mean, the shuttle launch, you know, if they show everything from inside the shuttle, probably wouldn't need that much in the way of special effects. But on the other hand, the simulator and any sort of external view of fighting going on in space is definitely going to. Uh, another thing we've heard uh, is that the desks are not actually real tablet computers, that they're uh, static props. Uh, and that suggests to me that all the desk interactions are going to have to be CG'd onto the prop. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I guess just in my opinion, there shouldn't be any shortage of places for quiet CG uh, in this movie. I, I, I think it shouldn't be too much. What do you think about that? You know, one thing I think that's called into question is how all this CGI will um, contribute to the overall feel of the movie. I've 
heard from so many Ender fans via email and comments and tweets um, that they're worried the movie will come out as a shiny science fiction movie and that it'll seem unrelatable to the present. And I think that's really important um, when you're trying to capture the audience. Are they going to be able to relate what they relate to what they see on screen? I mean, uh, we got a look last week at the first Ender's Game movie still. Do you think that from what you saw in the movie still, the movie's going to be too shiny science fiction, Thomas? Well, you know, shiny, uh, that movie still certainly uh, brought out this, you know, the feeling of shiny. And I think some of the other set photos that we've seen from the battle school, there's certainly a very polished look to them, and I think a lot of us fans were expecting that it would be a little more run-down looking, maybe. Uh, you know, on the other hand, I know that special effects can just as easily be used to make something feel quote, gritty and realistic, uh, which are, you know, huge buzzwords in Hollywood and sci-fi uh, movies today. You know, for every uh, Star Trek, you have a Battlestar Galactica or Terminator that you know, really make an effort to stay uh, grounded in kind of this this very realistic feeling. You know, I, I say realistic, uh, you know, only half seriously because we are talking about things that take place in space or have robots or aliens, things like that. Uh, but, you know, they, they feel like things that you would encounter in the real world. They don't feel – they feel used and lived in. They don't feel shiny. Uh but it, it's hard to tell from the still if, if that's the direction the Ender's Game is going to be moving in. And it certainly had that polished look that I would expect of shiny science fiction. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think it doesn't have to imply that, uh, but it certainly could. From the movie still, things look very, very streamlined and clean. But you have to remember that this is in the future. This is a state-of-the-art military center, if you will. And so there will be a certain kind of technological finesse to it. But I think that there will be other opportunities to incorporate kind of real gritty CGI or, or background into the movie that will make it seem more realistic. And it's really hard to tell from only one movie still any footage or any sorts of previews of uh, arrows or fleet command, for example. Uh, and that's, you know, supposed to be inside this mined-out asteroid, and I wonder if we'll see different sets for that or if that will have a different feel to it than Battle School will, or if they'll kind of make it just feel more space station-y. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I guess we're, we'll just have to wait and see when when and if the next movie stills are released. But um, speaking of Arrow and, and Arrow being the, the ending of the movie, Summit Entertainment released last month the official movie stop. And I, I just like to say to anyone that's listening, if you haven't read the book and you don't want to hear any spoilers, stop listening right now. Stop this instant. Pause iTunes or uh, Windows Media Player or VLC or whatever you're using for this podcast because there are spoilers. All right, here we go. In the future, a hostile alien race 
called the Formix, have attacked Earth. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the newer uh, Enderworks, by the way, Formix is the, sa is the same as Buggers. Uh, anyway, if not for the legendary heroics of International Fleet Commander Mazer Rackham, played by Ben Kingsley, all would have been lost. In preparation for the next attack, the highly esteemed Colonel Graff, played by Harrison Ford, and the international military are training only the best young children to find the future Mazer. Ender Wigan, played by Asa Butterfield, is a shy but strategically brilliant boy uh, pulled out of his school to join the elite. Arriving at battle school, Ender quickly and easily masters increasingly difficult war games, distinguishing himself and winning respect amongst his peers. Ender is soon ordained by Graf as the military's next great hope, resulting in his promotion to command school. Once there, he's trained by Mazer Rackham himself to lead his fellow soldiers into an epic battle that will determine the future of Earth and save the human race. Uh, so I think there's uh, two spoilers here that fans are probably concerned about. Uh, one is that it gives away that Ender is being trained by Mazer Rackham. Uh, and the other is that he leads his fellow soldiers into battle and determines, you know, the future of Earth and saves the human race. And both of those are really twists in the novel. You, you shouldn't have seen that coming if you're reading the books. And uh, I think fans are concerned that this is, that having this, you know, published as, you know, part of the, the, uh, publicity process for this movie is going to kill some of the suspense at the end. What do you think about that, Cassandra? You know, I I think that I think that most moviegoers don't wouldn't read the full synopsis. I think many people base whether or not they're going to see a movie based on the trailers they've seen either while in theaters watching another film or the trailers that they see on their television. And while there may be spoilers in this full synopsis. I don't really see them as spoilers because um, I don't see this as major publicity as well. If, if these kind of things, if this spoiler that, that Ender's being trained by Mr. Rockham and that Ender is really leading an army uh, to save the human race, I think that if those things are incorporated into the trailers, then, they, then they've, they've killed the ending of the movie. You know, maybe it just worries me a little bit that they are making it this obvious in the synopsis, and I, I maybe it just makes me wonder if they're going to be uh, uncautious about the way that they approach the trailers, uh, or if they'll try and keep that suspense there and build up the mystery a little bit. The, the suspense thing has certainly been worked into other trailers recently. If you look at any of uh, the recent Batman films or Inception uh, or, you know, any of those Christopher Nolan films, and I, I think there's others, you know, that come to mind as recent examples, they have this trailer that builds the suspense rather than giving away the ending. Uh, so, you know, I think, that, you know, there's there's certainly a reason to hope that they're going to be cautious and use this as an opportunity to build suspense. Uh, but it also just worries me a little that they've been too cavalier or uncautious in their publicity and that maybe, that's a bad sign uh, as far as the trailer goes. What do you think? You know, I don't think we have too much to worry about. When the movie still was released, it was released with an interview 
um, with Gavin Hood, who is the director of Entertainment. And let me read to you what he said. I am a fan, and I have had a desire to do this and have been working on this now for nearly four years. That ending and the complex moral questions that it raises is one of the reasons why I love the book. I promise you that it is very much there. But I think that that it he's talking about, I think, is the ending. Um, and I think what he's trying to imply that the ending and that those twists and surprises and maybe um, a few a few other twists in the novel are being going to be preserved. He doesn't say it explicitly, but that does seem to be what he's implying with that quote. Okay, so I, I guess we just have to trust or hope maybe that the marketing team is on page uh, with that as he is. Yeah, I think we do have to be um, mindful of of how the, the advertisement and the publicity team is promoting this movie. I think it's interesting that the movie still they chose to release um, was one where where Asa Butterfield Ender is standing right next to Harrison Ford, uh, Raph, and they're almost eye to eye. I think judging by the colors um, in these barracks that that they're most obviously launchies, and and Ender's almost eye to eye. You don't think. Um, that in a way, they're they're giving a message to other fans that that this isn't as close of an adaption as they hoped it would be. They think since Ender's so tall. Yeah. So uh, there's actually Orson Scott Card also recently talked about the movie. I think it was during a book signing. Uh, he creatively uh, cut off the questions and told them straight away that he can't talk about the movie. Uh, but one of the things he said is that there are no scenes that directly correspond between one and the other. Uh, so it makes me think, of, you know, it's between what he said, because he's also, you know, he's also spoken very positively about what he saw of the filming process, but he's also telling us straight up that we should not expect our favorite scenes from the book to appear on screen. Uh, so I think there's definitely an adaptation process that's gone on here. One of the ones that we've known about for a long time is the changing of the time scale of the book. And I think maybe that also relates to what you were bringing up with Asa being very tall. Do you, do you have faith that the, whatever adaptation here has preserved the, the message and the, the feel of the book, even if the scenes themselves have changed somewhat? You know, I, I, I feel convinced, um, Reading what I've read about Gavin being being such a big fan of the book and, and wanting to work on this for such a long time, I I think that as a fan, there's no way he could make this movie adaption um, without preserving the overall feel of the book and the emotional roller coaster. I think that that as a fan, he wouldn't be able to make it, um, you know, in his heart without making um, the right choice. I really do think so. I think that even though some of our favorite scenes, as Lucy Scott parts suggest, um, although they might not might not be there word for word, or as we've imagined them, maybe they've been embellished for the big screen or cut all together, depending on how they're reworking the plot. I think that the overall emotional roller coaster is going to be there, 
I think that we read somewhere that maybe from Orphan Scott Card that there would be a lot of close-ups. I think that's really going to help fans look into the to Ender's mind and, and see what kind of emotions he's going through as he goes through uh, his military experience. I think that sounds like a, a fair way of treating our expectations so far. This interview will be continued in part two. Remember, the enemy's gate is down.